Welcome to a very special episode of Own Goal Podcast. It's our second ever end of season award show, The Onis. A little strange to be the doing. Onis! A little strange to be doing The Onis on September 3rd, 2020 instead of May or June, but it's the strange times we live in. And good thing our our uh, regular podcast listeners have gotten used to us uh, falling short of a regular schedule. So, I think we'll be okay. But first, to the byline. It's in, it's an up goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no two to the keeper. Obviously, we know everyone's very, very excited to get to all the different Oni's categories and talk about all the different awards. But just before we do that, we do have the small matter of recapping that Champions League final. Uh, Gatesy, what do you have for us? Yeah, uh, so I think this was a very interesting match uh, You know, between two of the hottest teams uh, of the year, really. We can't really say PSG was that hot since the restart, seeing as they didn't play any league games since the restart but you know talented squad looked really good during you know the uh knockout rounds of of the champions league and then we had Bayern, which you know we talked about just setting setting team to blaze week in week out through the bundesliga and then once again like psg looking very strong in the knockout rounds <coughs> barcelona oof. uh so oof. this was an interesting another interesting reason I, I kind of really enjoyed this game was on scoreline this was your like soccer detractors classic there's just not enough goals in soccer one nothing game you know probably just not watching it sounds like a boring game but it was a really tight but also uh really fascinating game that I thought had a lot of ebbs and flows and teams were taking their chances. You know, there would be odd man rushes on the counter, uh, building possession, pushing through and then breaking it down. Like, I just thought there were, there were chances for both teams throughout the game. And we ended up with a, a one, nothing Byron win, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. And, um, you know, who was it that got the winner for Byron? Was it Kingsley Komen? I think. Yeah, the ex, uh, ex-PSG Kingsley Coleman. Ex-PSG guy, and, you know, that, there was that one one Mbappe chance stands out to me a lot where you got to think he had to put that away. But I think, you know, you kind of summed that up pretty well. It was a, was a good game. Um, you know, Bayern had blown so many teams just out of the water, and PSG proved, I think, and maybe surprised people that they really did deserve to be in that game. Um, and... You know, congratulations to Byron. I think they were deserved winners. You know, what do we what do we kind of think is going to happen going forward? Because I mean, PSG one. You know, in ten years they spent one and a half billion dollars basically. Where do they go from here? Because they came that close and they failed. You know, what yeah, are they going to do? I mean, I and, and it's it's an interesting situation to be in. I don't necessarily know if they necessarily need to do too much. Right, it's not. It's not like, and I think that's that's part of what's difficult about building success, building for success intentionally in a knockout tournament. You know, like Champions League, 
we've seen Manchester City uh, with Pep not be able to, 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 to do it no matter how much they spin as well. Uh, but you don't have like, oh, this team was 12 points ahead of us this season, so we need to figure out where can we make up those 12 points, right? It's, uh, I think this is where the manager is critical on uh, those knockout rounds. They just someone like Zinedine Zidane, right? Um, it's it's about unlocking your players to perform in the most clutch of moments. You know, I think a, a season-long campaign, it's all about can we be consistent? Can we eliminate errors? And can we do what we have to do day in and day out? Um, uh, knockout tournament, World Cup, Euro, Champions League, I think it's much more about can we rise to this moment and be better than, the, than our opponents? And it's less about risk mitigation and more about capitalization. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to our TED Talk, by the way. Um, Basically, uh, buzzwords aside, what that means is I have no fucking clue what PSG does from here. You know, they're they're losing uh, a captain, Thiago Silva's heading across the pond, um, which is a, a good a good get for. I guess that's, yeah, that doesn't really work. He's going across the channel in this case. The channel, yeah, he's going across the channel. Dude, if we can call if we can call the Atlantic Ocean a pond, we can call the channel a pond too. Right. Well, I think if we're calling the Atlantic Ocean a pond, like the channel is like a puddle. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. I'm just trying, have, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm just trying to keep the scales. You know, economy of scales. Oh fuck off. <laughs> um, okay, so so your my TED talk is on risk mitigation, and your TED talk is on economies of scale. Really, my TED my TED talk is on bodies of water. <laughs> um. So I I don't really know what they do. Um. I think. Something that, that I don't know because Mbappe had some chances, couldn't convert. I mean, all tournament long, Neymar was a, a creative force, but since the restart, he he was missing sitter after sitter. So I think clinicality is a concern when you look at a team, the team that beat them. I know Coman scored the goal and not Lewandowski, but look at Mueller, Lewandowski. That's a clinical team, yeah. and that I think clinicality is what you need to perform in these knockout round tournaments. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they try to retool for next season. You know, Bayern, looking at their perspective, I just feel like they're set for a lot of dominance because their squad is they got a lot of good young players in the squad. The guys who are aging are kind of going to get subtly replaced with some other young guys coming in. They just added Leroy Sané to this team. I mean, this team looks just terrifying. I mean, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be ridiculous if they went back-to-back. Yeah. I think it's not. I mean, I don't think they will because it's just so hard to do go to back to back Champions Leagues. But it's definitely well, uh, yeah. in the realm of possibility. It, from a talent wise and from a, a way this team's playing, one hundred percent possible. You never know with injuries and and things with new players going to gel or or pull a Griezmann and be disruptive. Who knows? Um, but I think something that it, you know it may be tougher for for them to perform game in game out now that they've just won it you know that competitive fire may not be there i, I have no idea something to to be worried about though is if this is the start of you know whether, whether or not they perform if this is an international or champions league level kind of dynasty that that's constantly competitive and they have been for a while you gotta wonder with what we saw with real when ronaldo left what we're seeing with messi right now are they reaching are they in danger of reaching a point where you know they age out some of their key players and they're either their squad's too young and experienced or their squad's too old. Like, like 
it's interesting, right? Real shipped out Ronaldo to Juventus, didn't replace any you know the, that scoring and creation anywhere on their roster, and they had a very disappointing season. Uh, not this year. I'm talking about the year Ronaldo left. Yeah. Uh, and then you see Barcelona this year. They have Messi, right? They have arguably one of, if not the best player in the game right now, and you know, arguably in in the history of the game. Who knows? Who can say? But they are they've had so much success for so long and they've hung on to what has made them successful they have not really adapted and adopted change yeah so it's going to be interesting to see how kind of how they you know what happens with the champions league next season but you know congrats to Bayern. i hope those guys are all celebrating it uh big shout out to alfonso davies for being the first canadian international to win the champions league youngest defender to win the champions league and his girlfriend who plays for psg's women's team won the Champions League, so um, that's that's just like a cool tidbit there. Sevilla, Sevilla won the Europa League. Not going to spend much time talking about that, but Sevilla <laughs> are always good in the Europa League. What I do want to spend time talking about is shortly after their Champions League defeat, Neymar and Di Maria were vacationing in Ibiza, a place where I'm pretty sure I have too high of a body fat percentage to ever be allowed to go, <laughs> just based on the names of people who get to go there. They both have now tested positive for uh, COVID, and they are self-quarantining. So, yeah. COVID is still out there. Good reminder. Yeah, uh, talking about uh, des- des- you know, vacationing over <laughs> in nice, like, you know, uh, island and, and beach uh, locations, I heard Harry Maguire took a little trip to Greece. I honestly don't know where to begin with this because when i watched his like interview talking about it there was nothing that he said about his version of events that i thought he that i didn't believe him but here's i think i'll give what i believe are the undisputed facts and then where things just go in two completely different directions fucking weird what i think is an undisputed fact is that two uh albanian dudes i don't know why they're always albanian i blame the movie taken but they were it's Albanian. Taken. <laughs> They're probably not Albanian. But everyone said two Albanian dudes go up to Maguire's sister and like in, like inject her with a syringe, which that in loads is terrifying. Maguire's fiance like tells Maguire they're at like some nightclub in like Mykonos or whatever. Like, hey, this just happened. So he goes to try to like figure it out, and I guess the police, like two undercover police officers, were there who are trying to help. And I think from here on out, it gets totally off the walls. According to the Greek government, who, by the way, had his criminal trial within five days of arresting him, which is unheard of. Um, One of my buddies who's a criminal attorney was texting me about it and just like, this is just nuts. So, but they they found him guilty of assault and attempted bribery of a police officer because according to the police, he said, do you know... This is, by the way, I don't know. This this does not sound like a sentence anybody would say. This sounds like a made up sentence, some, like somebody would. But say. It, but 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 what you're about to say is this is like the the sentence that it's always said that the famous person in trouble says. Yes, yes. Do you know who I am? I am the captain of Manchester United. <laughs> um, Harry Maguire denies saying that, and and so apparently he tried to bribe them and. When, the, when these undercover police got involved, people in Harry Maguire's crew 
got physical with them. I guess there was might have been some misunderstanding of what was going on. Uh, the officers claim Harry Maguire, while handcuffed, like kicked one of them. From Harry Maguire's point of view, he was literally in fear for him and his family because he thought they were being kidnapped. And he said that the guys were kicking him in the leg, telling him his career was over, these police officers. So I don't really know what to make of this situation. It sounds – I'm sure there's some truth that might be in the middle of it. But, it, that, you know, Harry Maguire is guilty, but he's just, like, having a, paying a fine and ha- having a deferred sentence. So he's not going to, like, be spending any time this season in a Greek cell. I think it would be really, really silly for Manchester United to strip him of the captaincy over this because yeah. I think the fact that guys like known Manchester United haters like Jamie Carragher and other British pundits came out all supporting him, uh, Ben Chilwell came out in support of it. a lot of people around the game came out having his back, and that speaks volumes to the, I think, the testament of his character. I think he was involved in a very unfortunate situation and just bad circumstances, and I think it's it's insane, but those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I think I think that was as like succinct and well put as you could have with the obscure nature of what what the fuck did happen. You know, I think the fact that it's not disputed that some people like tried to drug his sister kind of gives a little bit of of understanding as to how things could escalate in the first place. And then, yeah, who the hell knows? what type of escalation happened and you've got who, who, hell, who the hell knows yeah. um, now interestingly enough while one <laughs> while one Manchester United center back was uh, getting in trouble with the law the other Manchester United center back Victor Lindelof was actually being praised by the Swedish police uh, apparently he was just like walking down the street and he saw this thief just like steal some old woman's bag and he like tackled the thief held him to the ground till the police came and then you know, got, gave the woman her bag back. I mean, this is literally out of a movie. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, he seems to be a good dude. Yeah, yeah, you've got just, uh, very different stories for the center back pairing of, of United, like within days of each other. Yeah, and <laughs> no surprise that the Lindelof story got very little press compared to the McGuire <laughs> one. <laughs> Probably a yeah, lack of Albanians uh, trying to inject people with mystery chemicals dude that's so scary if somebody came up to me with a needle and injected me i'd be freaking out yeah by the way um hey eric do you remember gareth barry i mean kind of but are you sure you're just not you're not mispronouncing gareth bale i am sure he apparently he just retired at the age of 39 and i've been playing for i think he now plays in the championship for west brom Okay, okay. I think. Uh, I could be wrong. Someone fact like that. <laughs> I'm probably wrong. But I do remember when he played for Man City and I think Aston Villa back in the day. And I honestly thought Gareth Barry stepped up. Like, the fact that he's only 39 actually came as a surprise <laughs> to me. I thought he retired like eight years ago at like the age of 36, eight years ago. <laughs> so every now and again, one of these guys, like, just a blast from the past comes about. And we like to, uh, we like to mention it on the podcast. But... Even better news. Gates, hit us with it. Ronald, Ronaldinho has been released from his home confinement in Paraguay. Yes. And has been allowed to return home to Brazil. Um, 
Yeah, he and his brother were, uh, Donnie, you're the legal expert. I really need you to report on this one. Um, they were basically <laughs> arrested on charges for having all these fake passports in relation to their tax evasion charges. It's not good <laughs> when you're being accused of tax evasion and then you show up with a bunch of fake passports. <laughs> also, so, when you're when you're one of the most recognizable faces in the world. Yeah, especially like, especially in South America. Who, you know, there are people I think in in the states that that wouldn't recognize Ronaldinho, but really anybody in I feel like in Europe and South America, especially like you said, there's no way they're not recognizing Ronaldinho. I mean, that guy is like. He is the embodiment of like love of, of, of soccer. Like just, just got the, the, uh. I would like to point out the highlight. I'm, I'm very happy that he's that he's out. Yeah, I'd like to point out the highlight of his time in prison was playing in his pictures of him playing in a prison league soccer game. <laughs> and you know, the, you know, the prisoners loved him. You know, they were they were taking care of him. Yeah, you know, I think there's a, there's a, there's a line you cross right where like you're playing pickup and like somebody brings in a ringer on their team. Who's like, this guy played semi-pro or played pro at a, a, a small level. And it's like, fuck that guy. That sucks. But you get to a certain level where it's like, dude, we got to play, you know, pickup or leaks league play with fucking Ronaldinho. Like that was incredible. You know, that's yeah. something that, that, that you'll keep with you for the rest of your life. And I think it's like a nice memory to have in between the shankings and the other things that happen yeah. that I imagine happen in a South American prison that also happen in U.S. prisons too. Yeah, yeah, that it's a it's a reprieve. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that kind of wraps up some of our stories we had to get to. We're gonna get to a few quick transfers and then we're gonna just pop into the Oni. So obviously, yeah. uh, go ahead. Transfers, we got to talk about it. I mean, after the uh, Disappointing end to the league campaign for Barcelona. You know, Messi. No, no, no. Of... Do not call the end of that campaign disappointing. Disappointing <laughs> is like when I when I prematurely ejaculate in two minutes. That's a disappointing. What happened to Barcelona was a slaughter. It was a slaughter. It 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 it, it was basically like using chemical weapons on a civilian. I mean, it was it wasn't even fair. I'm, I'm so. I'm... I was building up to it. I'm talking about the league campaign. Right? Oh, the league Not, campaign. Okay. Yeah. The, the, yep. the league campaign, you know, they fizzled that's out. That's like the they, one pump chump. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. They did They did not perform. Uh, Messi talked about how they needed to basically get their shit together or Napoli could could just as well knock them out. Uh, Messi had a fantastic game against Napoli and, and saw them advance in the, in the Champions League. Unfortunately, they then, as we all know, uh, got chemically warfare attacked chemically sterilized by Bayern and um, from you know during that game because that game was over shortly after it began we were texting back and forth like is this is it time for Messi to leave like should he go should he want to go and I Where think we he... also talked about it on the last podcast too. yeah so um, sometime after that it seems Messi had conversations with Barcelona and he has declared his intent to leave. I actually, so what I heard, interesting, I heard that he'd listened to our last episode of Ungo podcast <laughs> and then realized, like, fuck, I really should leave and then decided to leave. We do get a, a consistent listener from Barcelona. <laughs> it's either Messi or his dad. We get one, it's just about Messi. Um, but. So, you know, we kind of had already previewed the conversation of where will he go, what will he do, so we're not necessarily going to get into all that. 
I think really what's interesting right now is this whole drama around his release clause because Messi had this clause in his contract where June 30th, before June 30th of every season, if he wanted to leave, he could leave. But if he didn't exercise that option before June 30th, then he has like a 700 million euro release clause, which is, Dollar, yeah, yeah. Which is absurd. Well, <laughs> he obviously didn't activate the June 30th clause because of the way the season went down. And so is the intent of the clause, you know, within 30 days of the season being over when it's usually over, Messi gets to make this decision? Or you're going to interpret the clause strictly by the words of the contract? I mean, that's yeah. what the legal battle comes down to. In, in Messi's you know personal team and, and his entourage and legal advisors believe they have a good chance to, to win this because the fact and I guess the way that Barcelona and like La Liga teams went in extended contracts, you know to to be able to get these players to play for them, you know during the the extra months they believe that the 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 nature or the spirit of of the ruling language that allow them to agree to an extension uh, would also apply to the rest of his existing contract. So yeah. my, my guess is when, when they renegotiated the extension, you know, for the, the COVID extension, they probably didn't renegotiate the salary, right? They didn't renegotiate any of the terms and conditions. So they probably believe that it, that extension should apply to all areas. And I have obviously no idea. Um, I'm waiting for the WikiLeaks on, on this so we can look at the documents and, and yeah. uh, I was going to say, it's even hard for me to really give an opinion without, like, because I'm hearing, well, the clause says this, but, like, what does the clause actually say? Like, for like, yeah. word for word, yeah. what yeah. does what do the documents say? Like, you know, but now, on top of all that, La Liga has chimed in and said that they believe that the release, the $700 million release clause is valid, because obviously La Liga, uh, if Messi leaves, he's not staying in La Liga. I think that's, like, a guaranteed fact, so yeah. they don't want to lose... Yeah. Because they've already lost Ronaldo. If they lose Messi, I think the interest in La Liga goes significantly down. It, especially, it goes, especially uh, like viewership outside of Spain. I think viewership in Spain stays the same, but like viewership outside of Spain significantly drops. Interna- international TV deal viability crashes, and that's that's why the uh, Premier League has been so successful, right? As a as a league above the others, is those those TV deals they're able to get. Uh, help the clubs get so much more money so they can afford to pay these players to get them to come. Exactly. So, so, so you know, looking at, at Barcelona, who's basically got a transfer saga, uh, you know, you could say a messy situation on their hands. <laughs> um, but let's go and look at who's been doing really well in this transfer window. And I think we can go look right to London. And see, Chelsea have been making moves all across the board. Yeah, Chelsea. I mean, is a team that finished in third place, and in addition to guys like Warner and Zayek, they'd already had. They've added to that defense: Ben Chilwell, Malang Sar, Thiago Silva, which I think is going to be huge in terms of leadership and experience. And then it seems like the Kai. It's it's like unofficially official that it looks like Kai Havertz is wrapping up too. Yeah, yeah. I mean. We, we were focusing, I think, last time we talked about this, how they've made some great attacking you know transfers with Werner, uh, with Zayacek, and if Havertz, if they could get him, been making great moves. And we were you know, posturing that 
the lack of defensive moves may you know is what they really need and then they went around and and finally confirmed Chilwell which I think is a great uh, you know a great adjustment or addition and I agree I think the leadership and experience that Thiago Silva has plus the fact that he showed you know this Champions League campaign he still has it in the tank physically I think that's a, a a big get the real question that I have is are all these new additions going to be able to gel yeah, and I think the team chemistry is going to be the big thing. I mean, I think there's a lot of individual talents, but how can it gel with a lot of like the good players that they already have on the offensive end, and what's that going to look like um, next season, and how quickly can they build that chemistry? I agree. Um, but I do think that they are really, barring whoever gets messy, if somebody gets messy this transfer window, um, I think they're crushing the transfer window. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, you could argue the one thing that they really do need to improve on is a, is a goalie. Uh, for those of us that are in the camp that Kepa's not really that good of a goalie and the, why they paid so much money for them, I ha- I'll never understand. Um, so that, that I, I can see, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, Manchester United decided the team that finished on the same amount of points as them is adding all these players. So maybe we should at least add one. They did. They signed uh, D- Donny Van de Beek from Ajax, which I think is actually a good signing because of how he can play pretty much every midfield position from holding yeah. to box to box to attacking. Um, young that guy, twenty. Yep, young guy, twenty-three, five-year contract. Really, really, um, really excited to see what he's going to bring. And now with him at Man U. Of the 11 players that started the 2019 Champions League semifinal second leg for Ajax, five remain at Ajax, which is crazy because Damn. some That's really, crazy. really good players. Um, you know, quickly on Man U, they just have a lot of work to do in the transfer window. I think even if they don't sign Sancho and at least another center back and a fullback, I would give it an F as things stand right now. So I just think they got a yeah. lot of work to do. And I think No bueno. I think on individual merits, you know, the Van de Beek signings are a, a good signing for picking up this one player. But when you think about, you know, how many points do they need to make up on Liverpool? Yeah. It, this one signing doesn't do it. Um, I think, you know, a, a center back could be key. I honestly think even regardless of, you know, how one individual club is doing with just the uncertainty of everything because of COVID, I think we may see more team, you know, a few teams splashing the cash, but but more teams like like even United trying to hold firm uh, and just kind of stay where they are. Maybe sacrifice, you know, going for a title next season and then retooling the year after. You know, I could see you guys going all in for uh, Upamecano or Kulabali, something like that next season. You know, so I have no idea, uh, but I just think there's definitely some we'll financial wrinkles the whole pandemic yeah. uh gates you know this one this Ugh. one this one hurts me to talk about for you but really because it, it seems like you're relishing it in it slightly i'm not relishing it but i'm happy for the guy i'm happy for the guy because that's a really big club to be at donnie's uh referring to for those of you that have not been following transfers uh my for the last few years my my favorite you know, U.S. men's national team player Weston McKinney been watching you know as many games of his as I could while he's at Schalke. Uh, 
has just completed a loan with an option uh, to purchase move from Schalke to nine-time reigning Italian champions Juventus. Uh, so, yeah. That sucks to have, like, a guy you love and a guy on your national team go to a club team that you despise, and I can appreciate that. I feel it to some, not to the same extent, but to some extent with Pulisic at Chelsea. But I think this is the biggest club an American player has ever played for, kind of ignoring Landon Donovan's failed stint at Bayern Munich in the early 2000s because it was failed. But, like, this is, like, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And I think getting to learn and be coached by Pirlo as a midfield player I think is awesome. I'm just – I'm really happy for Weston McKinney because, I mean, we were thinking he's going to go from a – like, he was going to make a small step like a Schalke to a Wolves, a Schalke to a Leicester, a Schalke to an Everton. This is a huge step. And, you know, I know how you're always concerned about guys getting playing time and stuff like that. And I always like to counter that with you can – every player can play well enough to play themselves into a lineup. And I just hope Weston can make the most of his opportunity there. And I think if he gets one chance, I think he's the type of guy that if you give him one chance, you're never going to not have him in your lineup again. Because that guy busts his ass on the soccer field 100%. And I think maybe that's a little bit of what Juventus is lacking is like guys who will, you know, who just go all out every single game, 90 minutes, hold nothing back. Yeah, the guy, the guys to give the Gattuso effort is kind yes. of what you're. Yeah. And I think Pirlo, for every guy like Pirlo you have, you have the guy who helps with the like, just lung busting, hard work, you know, who, who when, you know, kind of complement it. And I don't know. I'm really excited to see what what Weston's going to do at Juventus. How much time he gets? It's just I th- I'm really excited for him personally. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to pull for him to play well, but to, for him to lose all but two games a year. Yeah. Uh, I, I want I want them to beat Inter, and I want them to beat Inter, and I want them to lose every single game other than that. So, <laughs> yay. Um. Well, Milan obviously. Um. We'll talk about the resigned, yeah, we'll resigned Zlatan, or you know, as he would probably say, Zlatan has resigned Milan uh, for for another year. And you know what? He he really played well. He really performed. He's fucking thirty eight years old and, and still able to do it at top level. Um, and then also bringing in a uh, kind of young Italian midfielder who's he's he spent a lot. He got Brescia promoted from Serie B. He uh, played for Brescia as they got relegated this year. They just didn't have the talent around him to perform. But this kid, uh, Sandro Tonali, is kind of being compared to as uh, the potential to be a Pirlo-esque player. It's kind of with that deep line playmaker ability and that vision and, and, and the, the touch with the ball. So that's exciting. Um, Inter had been trying to sign him for since April. Uh, they had an agreement in place with the club. Uh, Brescia, but they kept delaying because they're trying to figure out, you know, the situation with Conti, figure out some other players, but they still wanted the guy. And then when Milan realized kind of the, the price and everything, we reached out to him. He's a, a lifelong Milan fan. So when, when we reached out saying, you know, we want to sign and we can make a deal with, with your club, he was like, hey, I want to go to Milan over anybody else. So it's kind of cool to see childhood fan, promising player. 
we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's you know that's it's exciting that he kind of wanted to lean towards his childhood club versus taking you know an opportunity at. I mean, good. You can't you can't blame the kid, right? He you know wants to go to the club where he watched Kaka, where he no, watched. No, that, that's Pirlo. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like I think it's yeah. cool when someone picks like something from their childhood over like maybe like this is like maybe a slightly better situation now, but maybe by following my dreams, like I can help. You know, I can be a part of like yeah. a rebuild. I, I think it's cool that he he chose to do that, and um, it's like it reminds me of how Milan recruited Theo Hernandez, my current favorite Milan player. <laughs> by having like Mald- uh, Maldini went out and met with him and talked to him, and if you're a fullback and you're talking to Maldini, like that's huge. Yeah. And so it's just like, then, it just seems like Milan has had a couple of instances where like this sort of like like a personal touch or some sort of like childhood like fondness has helped them like acquire like a very good talent. Let me look at what it turned out with Theo Hernandez, like how great that turned out, and so. And and I think you know Maldini Maldini has had a. Uh a hand, you know, he, he's kind of running a lot of these negotiations or these efforts to kind of just determine who, who we're going at. And what I really liked is when he, you know, decides this is, the, this is that player's value. We don't, we don't go above that value. So we'll walk away from somebody who we may really want, but you know, is having a price that we cannot justify. Uh, so, you know, we're not in a place where we're going to compete for a title next year. We just, we're too far behind. We've been too far behind for way too many years. Uh, but I think we've got the building blocks of, of a few pieces coming in in this transfer window that we should be able to to push for uh, Champions League qualification, and we shouldn't have to push from behind, right? It shouldn't. It, it, I don't think it'll be. At least it shouldn't need to be a scramble on the back half of the season to make up for lost ground. Uh, but you never fucking know. Yeah, and with that, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes the usual portion of the podcast, the moment you've all been waiting for, the second annual Oni Awards, presented by, presented by Own Goal Podcast. Eric Gates, could you read out the first category? Arguably, before this year, it was arguably the most prestigious pro- individual award in soccer, and now yeah. it is undisputedly the most prestigious prize in the, the, soccer. The Belunda or backed out, so they've abdicated any any claim to the throne. Uh, we are, of course, talking about hot guy of the year. Now, we spend, you know, every, every episode, we spend bringing to you guys carefully cultivated hot guys of the week. Uh, now, the hot guy of the year does not necessarily have to have the most hot guy of the week wins, uh, although I believe Jack Relish last year was up there. Uh, he... he you know, I think I think he had a lot of, of weekly wins, yes. and he, so it's it's possible. Um, but the nominees for uh, this season, I think we'll talk a little bit about each one of them. And yeah. you know, uh, we got Marcus Rashford as the first one off the list. And uh, you may be scratching your head a little bit, thinking, "Well, is this just like a, a Homer podcast? Are we going to get some Milan player next on the Hawkeye of the Year?" No, don't don't worry, we're not going that route. Marcus, I think, had had a great season on on the pitch, but there's some some specific reasons why he earned a nomination here. Yeah, you know, as Eric alluded to, on the pitch he had his best ever season for Manchester United. You know, got them back in the Champions League. That's all good and well, but really, what he did 
in terms of reversing the UK's policy about ending uh, programs that provided lunches for kids when school was not in session and what he's now still doing, working with food banks, his philanthropic efforts, and really kind of ta- deciding that, hey, child, you know, not always having a guaranteed meal was an issue he faced as a child, and now he's in a position to do something about it so other kids don't face that. And, you know, I mean, having the parliament do a complete 180 on the law, I mean, that's literally using your platform to the ultimate there, degree. There is little hotter than using your your sway, using your big dick energy to literally, as a as a as not a politician, to get your government to reverse its position. Yeah, and the fact that the cause he's focused on is just making sure kids aren't going hungry. Yeah. If if, yeah. You, do, if, if you do not support that cause, then you are inherently a not yeah. a good person. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself, and we don't want you on this podcast. Yeah, I just so. We are an anti-poverty uh, uh, podcast, where, as in we're not for poverty. And, uh, and as a subject of that, we are definitely anti-children going hungry ever. We are we are pro-food. We are a pro-food podcast. We are definitely – that's why I can't go to iPizza because I'm a pro-food podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all right, so that's our, that's our first nominee, Marcus Rashford. Second nominee, Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City. Eric, why does Kevin De Bruyne deserve to be a hot guy of the year? Uh, I, I think De Bruyne – I mean – People talking about performances this year definitely talk about De Bruyne uh, having a, a great season. You know, I, I don't really live and die by the stats, so I can't tell you how many assists he had, how many chances he created. I can tell you it's a fuck ton. Uh, if it's not the most, it had to be up there with the most in the Premier League and probably up there with the most in the top five European leagues. The dude was a fucking monster uh, creatively. Um, I think it's a little overshadowed because Liverpool won the league by so many points because Man City did not make it far enough in the, uh, you know, did not win the Champions League or make it to the Champions League final. So we don't get people talking about the electrifying season De Bruyne had. But I mean, that guy, he fucking performed. You know, the season before, he he missed a lot of time with injury, uh, with that knee injury. So it was great to see him back, uh, really moving well, uh, in, in sync with his team. His vision, I think, is incredible. And, you know, he... When he he'll hit a ball, not not necessarily seeing where, where his teammates are, but knowing where they're going to be, or where uh, they he should d- be. Honestly, he, he's yeah. at the level where it's like if he hit a ball and you didn't make the run, that's really on you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right because when, when he does send a ball that that is not picked up by his teammates, it's not like he just sent a wild pass that maybe it would pan out. He sends a ball where you look at the replay and there was the lane was there for his teammate to run for it. So yep. yeah, but he also, he doesn't just do that with city. He does it with Belgium too. So it's, it's like at a certain point, it's not even that he knows his teammates so well. It's he understands the game so well that he can just feel this. Uh, and I think, you know, he's, he's not, not the most aesthetically hot, uh, of the people on this list, and I think we'll touch on that in a little bit. But I think his his play on on the field has been absolutely on fire. Yeah. So that leads us to our third nominee, Mr. Real Madrid. Third nominee. Yeah, we we've we've this guy has been often been a centerpiece of conversation on this podcast and just in in and around the soccer world for a while. Uh, and this is of course the the uh, current. Real Madrid 
a talisman, uh, their arguably most clinical penalty taker. Uh, we're talking about Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos, who scored more goals than Kareem, uh, than uh, not Kareem Benzema, excuse me. That would have been blasphemous, what I was about to say. Um, Antoine Griezmann, excuse me, another Frenchie. Um, uh, he also scored more goals than uh, Eden Hazard. I'm pretty sure there are also, like, the center back of Real Sociedad who had two headers score would have scored more league goals than Eden Hazard. Um, but, I mean, Sergio Ramos just continues to produce for Real Madrid on both ends. Just the leader of that club, guiding them back to a, La, to, a, to a La Liga title. His play on the back end, his ability, you know, he's being clinical on the penalties, popping up those important headers in the box, and, you know... He's got and a master, gra- ma- master the dark arts enough to where he can use them effectively, but also not get suspended using them too often or get caught. Yeah. Uh, not to mention that he was once a fullback and started his career as a fullback. I think that's very worth mentioning. Um, there's no doubt that Sergio Ramos has a phenomenal body. Like, um, just a yes. fantastic body. His, his body is rocking. And, you know, we've seen photos of him when he's, you know, not in the middle of quarantine when he's, you know, shaven and, and even if he's rock, rocking the long hair, but rocking some sort of do, the, the dude looks good. Dude. The problem is right now he's got that pirate beard going on. Yeah. And you know the image I can't get out of my head. It's that image, I guess, during a game where like he, he's like got his fingers curled and he's blowing on his fingers. He's like, <sighs> and it's just this pirate beard. If you look up like Sergio Ramos, you're gonna see it because it's just it's like a meme right now. Uh, I cannot get that image out of my head. He looks like he belongs on Jack Sparrow's boat, you know, on the Black Pearl, sailing to the Isle of Tortuga. I, I, he he he's still you hot. Just watched this movie in the last thirty days. I have I haven't watched parts of the Caribbean in like half a decade at least. Okay, then I guess I'm wrong. Uh, but yes, I agree. His long beard is a distract is a is a distractor from his aesthetic. Now this next guy has no distractors from his aesthetic. Clean looked, no, hundred percent pure Polish sausage. Robert Lewandowski, he's ripped his shit too, and I mean, just what Dude, a season he had. I mean, absolutely incredible. I mean, it, you know, it's it's honestly a shock he didn't run away with the. Uh the golden boot in Europe. Uh, but I mean, an incredible season, you know, Bayern winning the treble, uh, a lot of it on, on the boot, the boot of Lewandowski. There were games during the Bundesliga that he just took over and was just ripping defenses to, to shreds. You know, even, even when he's not actively involved in scoring, he's actively involved in the build up, the build up play. Uh, he'll, he'll send, send, the ball to his teammates if he's not in the position but you know if he's in a position to strike he's 100 percent taking that strike and this year and, and many years unless he's playing for poland that's probably going in yeah uh, he was just on another level this season um and another and the guy you know you just mentioned didn't win the golden boot but the guy who did chiro immobile who just lit up syria just Scoring goals left, right, and center. He's got that great North Italian aesthetic of the light hair and the light eyes. Handsome dude. Handsome dude as well. Um, very des- so- very deserving to be on here for both his play on the field and his aesthetic. And someone who uh, you know didn't really 
play well when he uh, tried tried his, his craft uh, in the Premier League for a season, I think. Didn't play well when he uh, went to Dortmund and, and tried to, to perform there. Came back to Italy uh, and just found a, a fit at Lazio where, you know, I think Lazio live and, and die by Immobile's performance. And honestly, sometimes, unfortunately for him, even when he is performing, you know, when he was still uh, catching Lewandowski on the restart, bagging goals left and right, Lazio was still letting in more goals than he, than, than he could provide and kind of, you know, as a team, they faded down the stretch, but Immobile almost got stronger as, as he kept playing. And yep. it was it was something to see. It was fun watching him and Ronaldo chasing Lewandowski and, and seeing Immobile take take it, you know, I think on that second-to-last match day, maybe the last match day. Yep. All right, Eric, will you please announce the second-ever winner of the Hawkeye of the Year Award for the 2020 is... Robert Lewandowski. It's just it's it's hard. I mean, he's just got he's got no no retractors whatsoever. He has the looks. He had the individual performance. He had the individual performance that translated to team success. I mean, every which way Eric and I looked at this, all roads led to Lewandowski on this one. It, it, it coming up Lewandowski, and I, I think you know it's mo- several of these uh, nominees you know would be deserving in their own right, but. When looking at them as a unit, it kept coming up Lewandowski. Yep. Every time. So Donnie, yeah. I, 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 you know, Hawkeye of the Year. That's that's our that, that's our thing. You know, I know we look forward to that every year, but I know for a fact, I think this next uh, award may be your most anticipated award. Uh, I know you. It's 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 my most uh, anticipated award, and it's the Hansi Flick Fullback of the Year. Yes, um, I know you've really gotten into uh, high fullback utilization lineups, uh, and and you know Hansi Flick at uh, Bayern Munich has at one point fielded how many fullbacks this season? Five. Five in one five, game. Five fullbacks started one game. Literally, not not you know not they had three and they subbed two on and two off. They literally had five fullbacks on the field at the same time. Obviously, not not in fullback positions necessarily. No, but they're they're once a fullback, always a fullback. So we uh, we're going to talk about our fullbacks of the year. And uh, Donnie, why don't you take us through the, nom- the nominees? Sure. Our nominee. Do you want me to list out all the nominees and we'll just talk about them a little, or do you want to do, go through it like yeah, we're talking yeah. about? Yeah, no, yeah, we, we can we can we, we can group it. We'll group it. So the nominees are Theo Hernandez, AC Milan. Teo, it's technically Teo Hernandez, but it's okay. Theo Hernandez, AC Milan, <laughs> Trent Alexander Arnold, Liverpool, Danny Carvajal, Real Madrid, Alfonso Davies, Bayern Munich, Akraf Hakimi, previously of Borussia Dortmund and now of Inter Milan. And technically, well, at Borussia Dortmund, uh, was on loan from Real Madrid. Oh, fuck. And <laughs> Joshua Kimmich, Bayern Munich. Okay. Theo Hernandez, Eric, your Milan man. I mean, this, so this is a this is a player who who came on as uh, kind of a, a bargain uh, purchase when you think about his production that he provided. Uh, he uh, was, I think, over at Atletico Madrid uh, previously. Uh, younger brother of uh, Lucas Hernandez, who you know had a really really good season uh, last year. I think the year before, and just uh, wasn't panning out. 
people kind of thought maybe he was partying a little too much, wasn't taking things seriously enough. So Milan took a flyer on, on this kid and, and brought him over. And damn, uh, I think for the first half of the season when Milan was really struggling, uh, Taylor Hernandez was our leading goal scorer for a while and then was our second leading goal scorer for a while. Uh, things balanced out in the second half when Milan caught fire and uh, Ante Rebic and Zlatan Ibrahimovic <laughs> took over as leading scorers. That's my... Ozzy, uh, I think Ozzy for... has just uh, officially casted his vote for Teo yeah. Hernandez as fullback. <laughs> I think Ozzy uh-huh. was very upset he wasn't consulted, and he made his feelings clear. And that's on you, Eric. <laughs> that's my bad. I'll, I'll make sure he gets his ballots uh, ahead of time next time. Uh, but but Teo, a really strong performance for a young, young fullback uh, that's got a lot of exciting soccer to play ahead of him. I'll say this about Theo Hernandez when I watch Milan games, which is actually quite a bit, truthfully. Um, every time he has the ball and he's it, it, his, when he grabs the ball from the opposition in his final third and he starts going up the wing, I get on the edge of my seat because I think something's gonna he's gonna do something, something's gonna happen, and that's that's like I think the ultimate compliment of a player is when you when you get the ball, all of a sudden everyone perks up and everyone's excited, and I, that's the energy you get from him. And, and something about him too is. You know, when, when when Milan's moving the ball up, whether it's in uh, a counter or building possession, when he lays the ball off to a teammate, he's immediately making a run into the box. Does not matter, and that's something that I, you know I love to see. It's some it's some dynamic running. It's not oh I've passed this to you now let me run to the corner flag and then we'll whip across it. It's no, no, I'm going to be the most dangerous the closer to the goal I am. Even if I don't shoot and I do pass, I'm probably going to shoot because I'm Taylor Hernandez, but. That's fine. Um, it's it's a fun style of play, and he's quick enough to be able to get back. Plus, he's partnered with Romagnoli, you know, his uh, the center back on his side. It probably has a little comforting know that you've got one of the top defenders in, in Italy to kind of cover a little extra. Our next nominee is Trent Alexander Arnold, who is a fan. I mean, I had to say it. If you didn't play for Liverpool, I'd probably fucking love him. He's a phenomenal right back. One of the best crossers of the ball into the box across any position. Great at hitting balls on set pieces. I mean, he's just a complete player. I wouldn't be surprised if he eventually does a Philip Lom, Joshua Kimmich, and make kind of a move into midfield because he's a guy you want to be on the ball as much as possible. He's that you, you want You want the offense to, to move through him just because of how good he is distributing that ball. Yeah. Um... And next, that takes us to another right back. I think a lot of people would argue this guy's maybe, if you look at like the last combined three to four years, might be the, been the top right back in the game in that span. And of course, Real Madrid and Spain's Danny Carvajal. Yeah, uh, I think things we've said about the other. I mean, I don't know. He's off. He's hardly ever out of position, right? He he knows his. He knows what he needs to do when he needs to do it, right? He, he'll go up and, and aid the attack and, and help whip, whip balls in, but he's also oftentimes back making making those those tackles that are necessary to prevent scoring opportunities. I, I think he's a very reliable fullback, and that's something – reliability is something you need in, in, in a fullback. And I think to add to that, I would say that every other nominee does one thing better than Danny Carvajal, but I think Danny Carvajal does everything collectively better. In terms of, I think he might at this, like looking back on his last, th- maybe not this particularly this season, but looking back on his last three years, 
he has a very complete body of work in terms of like like Trent Alexander Arnold is a better crosser than he is. Theo Hernandez is a better goal scorer than he is, but he's a better crosser plus goal scorer, like kind of combining things a little yeah. bit. And, and that's what and I, mean. I think. I think Carvajal's strength is his lack of weaknesses. Exactly. There's not a lot of holes. right. You know, Teo Teo may be a positional liability. Right. His his drive to go and, and help create offense and score goals and assists oftentimes mean he he's relying on Romagnoli to bail him out. Right. Right. Um, we've got you know Alfonso Davies is well. I think he's just he's a little more well. Sorry, that's a spoiler alert uh, for where we're going next with this. Uh, the next nominee, uh, we saw him light, you know, Champions League ablaze and, and Bundesliga ablaze. Uh, Alfonso Davies for Bayern Munich has had an incredible season. He is so fast that he makes He's, other fast players look slow. Oh my god, it's incredible to watch. It's it's. It makes no sense whatsoever. It doesn't he, matter if he never positionally improves because he's so fast, he always can make up for it. But Donnie, if he did positionally improve. Alfonso Davies has been tearing it up for Byron's left side. He benched their record club signing, Theo Hernandez's older brother, Lucas Hernandez, World Cup winning full left back, benched him, taken over. I mean, this guy is just awesome and you know as a child he was like in a refugee camp I mean crazy story what a season he had the definition of speed um you know next you have uh Akrof uh, Hakimi who played for Borussia Dortmund last season on loan from Real Madrid but now has bought from Inter Milan was bought by Inter Milan again a guy who has quick Good game, had a good season, just another solid fullback. And lastly, we have Alfonso Davies, his Bayern Munich teammate, Joshua Kimmich. Yeah, and I think, you know, look at Kimmich, and um, similar to kind of Carvajal in a way, I think Kimmich is an incredibly well-rounded player. Um, He spent, you know, uh, time this season as a fullback, but spent, I think, a lot more time this season actually in the midfield and being more directly involved in establishing a tempo and, and facilitating the offense and then also getting up and attack and, and you know knocking a few in as well. Uh, so that, that move from Kimmich from fullback to midfield has allowed uh, Hansi Flick to field more fullbacks in his lineup, right? We've got um, Alfonso Davies on the left. You put another fullback on the right. You put Kimmich in the middle. You put... Um, David Alba, uh, an old fullback, and at center back, and, and you've just got all these fullbacks. It's a it's a it's a beautiful sight to see. Um, I just think, you know, I think Davies had an incredible season. I think Kimmich Kimmich maybe is was less noticeable this year, but if had some you big goals though. You know what? Looking back on it, had some popped in with some big goals. Yeah, I got to give him. Yeah, that. he did. And I was thinking, if you pull Kimmich out, I don't know if you know. You may notice Kimmich by his absence. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good. Way like the negative, the negative space. I'm running a TED talk this episode for some reason. We're going, we're going to negative space now. I like capitalization more. Uh, but that's <laughs> 
Well, Donnie, why don't you capitalize on this negative space and announce the winner? The first ever winner of the Oni's Fullback of the Year, the Hansi Flick Fullback of the Year Award. The full <laughs> name. After we sat down and we debated it and we discussed it, it had to be Alfonso Davies. Just the definition of the word speed. And that's what a, and at the end of the day, that is what a fullback, what a fullback is. is. A fullback is speed. Uh, and also, Donnie, I think something that you applied to Teo Hernandez of when he's on the ball, you, you're on the edge of your seat waiting to see what's next. When Alfonso Davies is on the ball and when he's off the ball, you're, you're waiting to see what he's going to do next. Right? When he's on the ball, you know, he, he had that incredible assist to Kimmich against Barcelona where he just – Fullback to fullback, yeah. baby. Pull back to fullback where he I forgot I forgot the defender he he literally murdered uh, but it was it was amazing but you also you know whenever another team is on on the attack you're constantly scanning the field for how far away is Alfonso Davies and how ridiculously quick is he going to close that gap and it's 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 amazing yeah yeah so uh, Donnie real quick though the uh, the the people are wondering are they they're pulling the academy. Um, if a fullback is a fullback for life, uh, was Sergio Ramos's performance this season not good enough for him to, to qualify for fullback of the year? That is an excellent, excellent question. His performances were good enough for him to qualify for fullback of the year. However, Mr. Ramos personally wrote into the podcast, <laughs> knowing that he, you know, he was notified through our inner workings, our inner channels, that he would be a nominee of Hot Guy of the Year, he, being such a gracious leader of men that he is, wanted us to make sure we had room for the younger fullbacks in the game and allow uh-huh. the next generation to come through. So I have a confession to make. Well, first <laughs> off, dis- disclaimer to our audience, none of that is true, uh, unless it is. I have a confession to make. I actually thought about uh, Sergio Ramos when we were discussing the nominees, but I thought it would be more fun to put you on the on the spot to justify <laughs> him off because I know how much you appreciate and love him. I do love him. <laughs> He's like probably top five, like of my favorite players who doesn't play for Manchester United. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, not 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 for me. I res- I respect him as someone who really enjoys solid defense. Um, and, and I mean, you just, you cannot, you can't not respect his body of work, but you know, he's, he's your guy. He's your guy. He's, he's, he's my, he's my kind of guy. Uh, speaking of uh, my kind of guys, cuck of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's, I think it's only fair, uh, that I'll, I'll announce the first nominee. You can announce the next nominee. <laughs> That's well, I wouldn't do this to you. So our, our first nominee for Cuck of the Year is our very own uh, host, uh, Donny Moss. What more to say than Liverpool won the league. Uh, Donny lost the Champions League bet and has to, for this next full season, report on the Uber Eats League. Ugh. Which, by the um, way, that's resumed. <laughs> FYI, this is the report for this episode. <laughs> it's back. Also, let's not forget that while... His uh, his beloved club have been linked with the uh, star transfers, Jaden Sancho and Jack Grealish, and are one of, if not the most profitable sports club in the world. They are sitting on that massive pocketbook and waiting for things to happen. Yeah, uh, I think you saw, 
you summarize that nominee's cucking very well. I have nothing to add except, <laughs> except my own shame and disgrace. Um, our second nominee is, of course, Own Goal Podcast's very own Eric Gates, who not only had to suffer his team being so far out of the Champions League before the restart, but then when you know the pause happened due to the coronavirus and his team came back, there was a moment, a small moment, where he <laughs> believed there was a chance they were going to get into the Champions League, which, of course, as we know, they didn't. Um, and then in the summer, he had to watch his favorite player, Weston McKinney, his favorite U.S. men's national team player, go to his second least favorite club team possible in Juventus, who, as Eric said earlier in the podcast, have won nine consecutive league titles. Uh, yeah. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. Um, fortunately for me, I'm so used to this, I'm pretty numb by now. You know, it's been nine straight. Milan's been a, a wreck. I, I like my chances to get out of this category alive uh, because, like, last year uh, and the year before that and the year before that were way worse years, even without the Weston McKinney. You know, that, that stings. That really does sting. Actually, that hurts a lot. <laughs> but this is the most promised Milan I've had in, like, five years. So we're, we're holding on to hope, man. Speaking of a team that had a lot of promise, Lazio had a lot of promise. We're just a few points behind Juve when um, the coronavirus pause happened. And when they when the, that team came back, despite Chiro Immobile's best efforts, I mean, they were just leaking goals left and right. They ended up finishing in fourth. I mean, there was a point where Lazio was one point ahead of Juve, uh, either right before the restart or right before the pause, maybe. Mm-hmm. They were one point ahead of Juventus. And what the fuck happened? <laughs> I have no idea. It was bad. Almost as bad. Speaking, speaking of what the fuck happened, um, we got to talk about Leicester. If, if, we were to, if we were to look at last season's uh, winner of Cuck of the Year, which was Borussia Dortmund's epic collapse, uh, and use that as a template for who would win this year, you'd have to say... Dortmund, uh, sorry, you'd say Leicester and maybe Lazio are the favorites because, I mean, Donnie, take it away for Leicester. Why are they in this category? It seemed that for 30... It, okay, first of all, Leicester City seemed at, at the coronavirus pause a shoo-in for the, for the third Champions League spot and Chelsea and Manu and Sheffield and Wolves and Arsenal and Tottenham were all going to fight for the fourth spot. And throughout, once the season came back, they were dropping points after points after points and ended up finishing fifth somehow. And they, they had like a eight-point lead on Chelsea and Man United and all those teams below. And they had a big lead, and it just it collapsed. For 31 of 38 weeks of the season, they were in a Champions League spot. And in the end, it was just a total collapse. And I just... Is it? I mean, we've seen Brendan Rodgers choke before. He he almost what Klopp did now. Rodgers almost did it four years ago, yeah. and then Gerard slipped. The slip. So you got to wonder at some point: is it is it Rodgers? Is it 
what happened? I just unexplicable to me how Leicester City, if like right before the games come out, you were like Donnie, Leicester City is not going to finish the Champions League. I would be like Eric, you're a fucking moron, and I would just move on. Like really, yeah, I, think, I, w- I would I be shocked. I think we are on record of being like, well, the top three is is pretty much secure, so we're looking at fourth place. That's exactly what we said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we, I feel like it's not a cuck of the year nominee if Dortmund doesn't get in there. <laughs> Obviously, they were nowhere near as bad as last year's collapse. But, you know, they were there in the end, and they can just never get the hump done over their big brother. And, Byron. you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't want it to seem like we're saying they – improved on last season by not collapsing as, as bad i'm pretty sure the reason the collapse wasn't as bad is they weren't they, as good. they weren't as good as they were last year yeah. they they were not they weren't in a position to really collapse you know they what they, they failed to to make a push they failed to to really you know win when they needed to win and in that way they kind of cucked it up but nothing like last year when they had like a seven point lead and just decided to lose games like they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's a, lose games like they just didn't give a fuck. I mean that that's what uh, that's what it felt like. Talking about losing games that they just don't give a fuck. I mean, we've talked about them a lot. We're going to continue to talk about them. But Barcelona uh, are, oh, are, are for, a, for a non knee for sure. You, you you can't talk cuck of the year and not talk about Barcelona. Uh, sometime around the break, they were. Uh, outright leaders in the La Liga table and uh, they just they did not they didn't care uh, th- that's what it seemed like they just they did not have their shit together um, they got absolutely shit pumped professionally by Bayern Munich and now <laughs> their once in a lifetime club icon is is requesting to leave he may end up staying you know who knows with the contract but he he wants out and, and I that's think, bad. I think the final, the icing on the cuck cake that is FC Barcelona right now is that Coutinho not only scored two goals on them, who is, he's their player, scored two goals, had an assist on them, but they now have to pay Liverpool another $5 million <laughs> or euros because Coutinho won the Champions League. And I just feel like every clause like that from here on out is going to make sure to specify that the player has to win the Champions League or whatever the trophy club. with the team that they just bought them because this, that is just absurd to me. That's amazing. Now, to a lesser extent, we got to throw Real Madrid on here, Eric. And why is that? Because, you know, it's been kind of talked about for the last year or two. Uh, you know, one of their players has had a falling out with manager Zinedine Zidane. Uh, but it's really, I think, taken up a lot of steam this year. Uh, with the talk about how Gareth Bale, you know, loves living in Madrid. He he wants to fight for his place in the squad, but the manager just doesn't seem to think he deserves a chance. Uh, just doesn't you know, think he fits in with what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, so, you know, they want Bale to leave, but Bale doesn't want to leave. Bale wants to leave, but they don't want to sell Bale to the people that want to buy Bale. So instead, they are paying Gareth Bale 15 million euros a year to play golf in Madrid. <laughs> Honestly, Real Madrid started getting cucked by Bale when he ha- when he pulled out a sign a couple years ago, a flag that said Wales, Golf, Madrid. In, in that, that order. order. 
<laughs> and they didn't sell was, him. And they didn't sell him right then and there. I th- yeah, I think that was maybe before this last season started, like the the round of, of like international games, like friendlies or something, maybe League of Nations games. But he scored a goal for Wales. Wales won. And then he runs to the bench after the game's over and is running around with that flag, like celebrating with his Wales teammates, his Welsh teammates. Didn't they get them into uh, the European Championship? Yes. Year? That's why they were celebrating so much. Is I thought the Wales – yeah, maybe I'm off on timing. But the fact that he did that and that he's been very open is like, yeah, I mean, I want to play for Madrid. Madrid don't want to play me, but they're paying me, so like I'm just – whatever i'm fine but also apparently there were a few deals lined up last season uh for him to move and real i think they had a rush of injury concerns they scuttled last minute a couple of those those deals to get, send him back to the premier league so it's like real don't even know what the fuck they want but they are bleeding cash to this guy who is not giving them any value yeah surprisingly is our final nominee for Cuck of the Year. And the reason it's surprising is because it's not often that a the winner or a nominee of Hawkeye of the Year ends up on the list for Cuck of the Year. Eric, would you like to present the last nominee? Yes. Um, this man, you could say, cucked by COVID, is Robert Lewandowski. Uh, un- undeniably had the best year of his career, uh, better than, you know, pretty much all of his contemporaries you could argue you know Benzema had a great year you could argue a few people but Lewandowski I think had you know everybody agrees especially with the the club trophies that they brought in an incredible incredible season uh better than anybody else and so of course that would happen the one year that the Ballon d'Or award is canceled yeah that is just I mean that is that is just the ultimate cuckening and at, uh, with that in mind, Donnie, uh, why don't you? Is it is it is it truly the ultimate cooking? Who won the cup of the year or lost? In a shocking twist, the cup of the year for 2020 is also your hot guy of the year for 2020. Robert Lewandowski becomes the first player in history to be named history. to the to win the Oni's hot guy of the year and Cuck of the Year, and hold those awards simultaneously. I mean, it's, it's an incredible feat. I, I, I don't know if we'll ever see it again. I honestly don't, I don't see how, I don't know how we could ever see it again. But, it, yeah, it, it's, wow. And I, I mean, think of all, itself, of all the things you were mentioning, all the accolades he accomplished, the goal scoring, everything he did, this has to be the most impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, seriously. Um, I mean, th- this is a weird story in its own right, and I think that takes us to, uh, I think Donnie, you know, maybe, you know, fullback of the year is Donnie's favorite award, but I think this is his most enjoyable award, the weirdest story of the year. Well, a wise man once told me there's a difference between enjoying something and appreciating it, and while I enjoy <laughs> fullback of the year the most, I appreciate this, this award, <laughs> this category the most. So this is our weirdest story of the year. The nominees are... I'm not going to go back into it, but the whole Harry Maguire, Grease thing, that was just fucking weird. Uh, This one I will go back into. We've mentioned it a couple of times. The Rooney v. Vardy. Not in the way you would think. Not Wayne Rooney and Jamie Vardy. Uh, Not not the people you're assuming here. No, but they're better halves, and I really hesitate to use the term better given the whole situation. 
but their wives, Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy. Now, taking you back in time a little bit, there was a time where Colleen Rooney believed that somebody was leaking her private Instagram stories to the Sun newspaper. So what did she do? Well, like any non-sociopath, she started sing- started one by one blocking people from from who could see her story, so she could narrow down to see okay who's seeing what, how's it getting leaked, until there was only one account left following her, the account belonging to Rebecca Vardy. Now, it was clear that Rebecca Vardy's account was at least behind the leaks, and Rebecca Vardy denied this when Colleen Rooney brought this grave injustice to light. Rebecca Vardy criticized Colleen Rooney for bringing it up while Rebecca Vardy was pregnant. Yeah, she pulled the pregnancy card in. I don't know if it... (laughs) Rebecca Vardy also claimed that a lot of people had access to her account, which is exactly what Ted Cruz said when he tweeted out the incest porn. (laughs) Well, that story kind of happened, and everything was fine for a few months, and then Rebecca Vardy (laughs) decided to sue Colleen Rooney for libel. So now there is a – I haven't followed up on this story, so I don't know where it's gone, but the Rooney v. Vardy, this, this is just – this is like a modern Game of Thrones, but not like the good seasons of Game of Thrones, like the shitty last season. Or no, this is this is like if someone was writing some sort of like dramedy, you know, like a, a, a drama comedy of some soccer team, like this this would be put in there. Like this, 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 is, this is a three-episode arc that then has a runner like 10 episodes later it, it, it's this cannot be real life but it is it's incredible um speaking of something that i think is is straight out of some tv show is uh the story that i think we talked about this uh when it happened but there's a game in saudi arabia where the var stopped working during the game uh because a someone at the stadium unplugged the var device uh to use that that port to charge his phone <laughs> just, i can't not read that or hear that and not laugh <laughs> because I'd like to think someone was like, oh, this probably isn't important, and I'm plugged in just <laughs> to charge their fucking cell phone. Well, do you remember the first game of the restart from Premier League when uh, Aston Villa? For the first time ever, the goal line technology failed. Yeah. I'm wondering, did someone like, oh, shit, I really need to charge my phone and accidentally unplug uh <laughs> Go line technology. No, it was probably and, uh, it was probably some fan being like, "Oh, I really need to charge my vibrator to throw onto the field at the ref after the game." <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to be on max rabbit mode. <laughs> um, like, like you know, they claimed it was occlusion, uh, but I'm wondering if you know, it's just like, oh shit. Probably just word of the wise. If you're in a stadium, don't unplug something to charge your fucking phone. <laughs> it, it probably has some sort of importance. Um. And then obviously the last weird story of the year has just you got to throw in just the impact of, on the sport and on people's lives uh, that the coronavirus has had. It's obviously very unique and very weird time, and we'd be remiss to not throw that in there and to mention it. I mean, I believe we were part of this early on, but like Pep Guardiola, I know lost his mom because of the virus, and yeah. I'm sure a lot of other players who maybe aren't household names or some household names but a lot of people were affected by the virus you know a lot of uh, ground staff who work at all these stadiums who rely on that income to feed their families they were all affected and so we just wanted to take one quick moment to kind of recognize that 
with all our lighthearted talk, just recognize that like a lot of lives were impacted in a lot of different ways because of the virus. Yeah, and and just a heads up, you know, um, coronavirus fucking sucks. So we're not gonna do it the honor of giving it an oni. So fuck COVID. Um, Donnie, announce the winner. Nobody's followed the story like you. Listen, not even not even not even Rebecca Vardy has followed the story like you have. Rooney B. Vardy is is the winner. I I don't even. The fact that I'm going to probably have another update on this next episode when I, like, wonder, like, what's going on with the suit and I start pulling random British court documents. Dude, Colleen Rooney ran her own sting operation. This is incredible. So, speaking of, uh, you know, I think the drama of that story really gets us to our next Oni category, um, the most outstanding drama. And, Eric, would you like to read the categories? Yeah. I mean, we're going to lead off with the one that I think was one of the most, if not the most tweeted about things maybe ever, and that was when Messi uh, officially requested his transfer to leave Barcelona. Uh, the whole the whole saga, just Messi wanting out. You know, People have been making rumors about it for a while, but then during this season, especially when results were going poorly, I think you saw it pick up steam, and then when it became legit, you still go go right now, and you're seeing so much about, oh, what is it that City's going to offer Messi to go rejoin with Pep? Or what can Liverpool do? Oh, nothing? Okay, well, what about PSG? It's just that it's dominating the conversation. Yeah. Um, Donnie, uh, I, would, I would actually love, uh, oh, yeah. love you to talk next one. The next nominee is uh, the Eric Tut into it, the whole Bellevue Zidane thing. Bellevue, you can kind of throw Bellevue Madrid in there. Just that whole situation just seems like it seems like the best move for ever. It's like this is like a toxic relationship where instead of like just like both like breaking up and finding other people and actually being happy with their lives, they just want to continue to hate fuck each other once every 60 days and live in misery with each other. And that's what Bale and yeah. Zidane, they're hate fucking each other. They really are, and and you know, Bill talks about like wanting to play and you know being open to leave if that let you know go to the Premier League. But if they're not going to sell him to the right place, then he's just to say fuck it, I'm not going to go. So he's he definitely both teams could have made it so that th- their relationship was no longer intact. Uh, but they're definitely out of spite, just like you're fucking stuck with me. I'm going to go uh, shoot 18. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you guys! What you guys strategized for the upcoming matches? It's fucking nuts. It, it is. Yeah. It is it, crazy. It's wild. It's wild. Because like you know, like Tottenham would love to bring Bale home, right? Like they would absolutely love to bring him back. Well, I think you and I had some buddies that we were all texting in a group text today. I made the point. I don't think there's any team. That isn't better off, even if, he, if it's just for squad depth with the crazy season ahead, he's going to improve every team that he goes on. He's, he's still a great 100%. player. 100%. And you know what? He doesn't have that many miles on him. He's really well-rested after these last few years. Super fresh. Super fresh. Um, and my my favorite uh, nominee for this, this category is Donnie's continued war against the French judicial system. Hashtag justice uh, for Benz. He, if you listen to like one out of every ten podcasts uh, episodes, then you've at least every episode listened to Donnie bring up Benzema in some way, shape, or form. And we can't talk about Benzema without talking about Donnie's perceived injustice of uh, Benzema being banned from the French national team. Okay, that is not a perceived injustice. The guy who. He allegedly blackmailed, doesn't even get called up anymore. So really, like, well, like, who, who's going to be worried about it? And also, you know what? 
if you don't make a sex tape, you don't have to worry about being blackmailed about it. If he was guilty, which he isn't. <laughs> That's all. There it is. There's the good fashion if he was, which he isn't. That's what we needed. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to – this has got to be the most obvious, uh, I think, category that we have. Uh, nothing compares to Messi wanting out of Barcelona. It's just it, – it, it's almost not imaginable. Yeah, it's just, it's it's absurd. It'd be it's gonna be if he does leave at some point, it'll be so weird to see him wearing any other jersey. Yeah, it's and also, just it's also on the winner. It's also weird seeing former and current teammates like publicly backing Messi's desire to leave. It's like yeah, like to the point where he's actually in the right, and Barcelona I think are in the wrong of not honoring his wishes. Yeah, yeah. It seems like everybody's pretty much supporting that. You know, he's. I mean, he's he's given everything to that club, so yeah. he deserves to leave. It's like what you know in American sports. It's like with certain coaches who've had like crazy, like you know, a lot of success. Like I always say, like with Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs. Like if he decides like tomorrow that he's like done and he wants to do something else. No Spurs fan should say anything but thank you so much for everything you did for our franchise. Like they're they're just certain players, certain coaches who, when they they've become part of the identity of your team and the identity of your success, you're kind of a piece of shit if you don't just like say thank you're you. Selfish. You're selfish. You're selfish. You exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Well, this is I think Eric one of your favorite awards. What without without a doubt. Without this is doubt. the one perhaps you appreciate the most. Oh, 100%. I think you enjoy uh, the cuck of the year the most, but I think you appreciate this one the most. Because I can I can share misery. You know, I, I can empathize with misery. Um, but – and this this actually, this award has, a, has a, a, a splash of misery in it too. Uh, man, I'm a shitty person. Uh, we're, of course, talking about the Space Jam Award. Uh, this is a kind of a, a two-part award. Uh, I, I love the complexities there. So if you're familiar with the premise of Space Jam, uh, Space Aliens – come into the, uh, the United States in the 90s and <laughs> use a magical ball to absorb the powers of some of the all-time, you know, well, at least at, at that time, some of the best players in the league. And they then take those absorbed powers and use them themselves to become great basketball players. No, they become, so the, mo- the, they become the Monstars. The Monstars, yes. Uh, Please respect so, the lore. <laughs> so uh, the idea here is who had their powers drained and then who absorbed those powers to become a monster yeah and so should we should we go like who had their powers drained and who absorbed their powers the pairing. Yeah, I think, okay. think, yeah I think both pairing yeah so we've kind of alluded this to before but Lucas Hernandez had his powers drained. And honestly, Lucas Hernandez could have been a nominee for Cuck of the Year because Alfonso Davies could cuck him. Um, yeah. Lucas Hernandez, 2018, starting left back for the France national team, wins the World Cup, gets a big money move to Bayern, and he rides the bench now. And he may not even be the best fullback in his family anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I think one, one of our uh, nominees for Hoops or his powers are uh, Teo Hernandez. You know his 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 uh, left back same position brother little brother uh, too the, the fact that it's little, his younger little, brother, little brother just just gives you something spicy there that's got to sting even more yeah I mean you know obviously 
uh, Teo has not won a World Cup, has not won, and not been on a uh, Champions League winning squad or a uh, incorrect. He actually did was on the Real Madrid Champions League. Real Madrid squad. squad. You're right. You're right. But yeah, he was. He, yeah. So, but he wasn't so, on an you know, integral part of that Champions League win. We can't necessarily say that he's a better fullback right now, but he's getting more opportunity to perform and to uh, to showcase his talent right now than Lucas Hernandez is. We also have a second uh, potential nominee for the absorption of powers, and it's also the man who did the cucking. They call that the bull. The bull. There we go. Uh, I'm not an expert in this uh, area, uh, but Alfonso Davies... Uh, you know, the man who replaced the World Cup winning uh, fullback at Bayern Munich. Yeah. So next we then have David De Gea, who, you know, arguably up until this season for me has been the best Manchester United player in the poster Alex Ferguson era. But just was sure. rocky, really rocky at times this season. I mean, there were, there were seasons where without De Gea, United finishes – two to three spots below where they had. There are seasons right? that without De Gea, United <laughs> is playing at the championship next season. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit there. No, but like... no, no. Watch the fucking film. There are seasons where you're like, wow, if he didn't have to make two world-class saves in that game, we'd probably lose that game. <laughs> um, and it was, it was every game, too. <laughs> yep, yeah, all 38 of them. And the irony is the guy who stole his powers is also now might going to steal his job. Yeah. In Dean Henderson. Our, our, our for the absorption is Dean, Dean Henderson, who had an incredible season on loan at Sheffield United. And, you know, I think United rightly are bringing him back into the fold, gave him a new contract. Uh, I think he said recently he wants to, to win the spot. If he doesn't win the spot, he would like to go out on loan because he knows how important playing time is. Uh, but it's you know it's a great position for United to have because while De Gea lost his powers, you know it's it's one it's a one season dip in form that does not mean he can't rediscover what he had. But it, you know it could. We we shall see. You know at the end of Space Jam, spoiler alert: the basketball players get their powers back. So who knows? Yeah. And then <laughs> this guy just lost his power in that Gerard PK. Just as like looks like he needs to go to MLS now. Yeah, he does not look good. This one, you know, I think he, he just from year to year, he's definitely had a massive drop in performance. I don't know if this is a loss of you know a temporary loss of power. I think this is the dinosaurs have actually become extinct, and PK's been a stable, consistent, top quality performer for so long. That can just only be kept up for you know for for so much time. Um, somebody else who I think we got to talk about for losing their powers though, Eden Hazard. So bad. My God. So, so bad this season, and got fat too, and didn't even play well while he got fat because so we couldn't even have a thick boy of the year category this year. I know. That which was him last year. Yeah, you know, he was thick and killing it. Um, and now he was just thick and just thick. And he was just. Well, thick. I, think, I think. I think one goal for his entire transfer sum. He said it best. Real Madrid had a great team success and played awesome as a team, but this was the worst individual season of my career. 
Um, but that's real. For every Eden Hazard, you have a Serge Gnabry, who yeah. has really come into his own at Bayern Munich and is just electric to watch. Just another one of those players that they have that is just awesome to watch. And we talked about it last episode. He's got like he's got like the '80s porn stash in the best way possible. Has some key goals in the, in the Champions League. I think to get into that to get them through the semifinal uh, or through the quarterfinal. You know, he kid performed. Um, and he's young. He, what was it? Arsenal that gave up on Gnabry uh, to get more playing time for Alex Awobi. Yes, it was Arsenal. Yeah. So I think yeah, uh, he's 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 had good seasons before, but this was this was a jump. And I think Eden Hazard is going to try to get his mojo back because he needs it. Yep. Donnie. Yes. Because of your predisposition to who wins this this award, I'd love for you to announce it. And yeah. see, I'm leading I'm leading the audience to think that we're going David de Gea, Dean Henderson, but no. we're actually talking about your level fullbacks. The Space Jam Award goes to left back brothers. Lucas and Theo Hernandez. I just love, you know, I I really think that while Lucas has a, you know, more career accomplishments at this point, Theo is two years younger, and I think right now on Manchester United, I like I think that's the, how do you determine which position if two players play the same position, how do you determine who's better? Who would you want on your team? I pick Theo over Lucas Hernandez. Yeah. I just, and, and, and part of that's because Lucas isn't playing much, but I mean that's. That's part of having your powers drained. You could also talk about, you know, Teo was in a position where he was being you know, lauded as a young player and then kind of hit a rough patch and, and, and dropped down. And now he's found, you know, a good run of form. So, like, he's he may – who knows? He may dip again. He may dip lower. But he's already dipped and coming back up. Uh, we need to see how Lucas Hernandez handles that, that adversity. Yep. But we, we know his little bro uh, has not only – outperformed him as as a player he's outperformed him in the own goal the oni's category as well and that's gotta hurt that's a double whammy so yeah the hernandez brothers uh are the recipients of the oni for space jam award now this next award i don't think we've kind of talked about these teams ad nauseum we're just going to kind of announce the nominees yeah yeah it's the season ended in march award this is basically the award for the teams that who they were post pandemic pause was a shell of their former selves. Eric, the nominees? We got Leicester, Lazio, and to nobody's surprise, Barcelona. And I think because of the magnitude of the of the effect of their poor performances and what's happening now, there's only one winner for this award. It's Barcelona. Barcelona, uh, if you're listening, congratulations. We know you have we know we have one listener there listening. Congratulations on your club's Oni award. Um, probably not the only award you'd want them to win. You know, so there are really there are really no good team only awards. Every every everybody talking about how Messi's final, you know, potentially his final season with Barcelona could be a trophyless season. Uh, but dude, we've gotten they've won most outstanding drama and they've won season in and March award. That's that's two separate onies. Like they're cleaning up the trophies. And you know what? For <laughs> all the for all the Messi lovers, um. No Cristiano Ronaldo team has ever won an Oni, whereas yeah. a Messi team is almost running away with the Onis. I mean, they're doing the Oni double right now. Yeah, they got two Onis. Um, our last award is a kind of a new one, unique one. Uh, Eric, you want to introduce the award? Yeah. 
this is uh, the most valuable immune system, uh, and really, it's a shitty category, and I apologize for that name, uh, but that, that's all my creation. But we're talking about the restart MVP. You know, what player was the most valuable or most impressive? You know, I don't. We don't need to get into the, the semantics about MVP, but who performed the best or enjoyable, the most enjoyable um, from the restart to the end of the season? Donnie. Who are the nominees? The nominees are the American Christian Pulisic, who was just absolutely crushing it for Chelsea, scoring goals left, right, center, laying out passes. I mean, just awesome. Dynamite. Alfonso Davies, who we've talked at nauseum today, our fullback of the year. I mean, what he did speaks for itself. And a guy who didn't get enough love this episode, Kareem Benzema. Not only... Did he have a phenomenal season before the restart, but he was still great after the restart, a key cog in Real Madrid claiming their first La Liga title in two or three years, and obviously doing all that with the pressure of unfair prosecution and persecution because of his Algerian French status. So um, I think what you talked about, actually, about him not only having a great restart, but having a great uh, season before the restart is actually part of the reason, spoiler, why he does not win this award. And yeah, I think once again, Benzema's, Benzema's downfall is his own greatness. His, his own success is his greatest downfall? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, but where I'm going with this is the winner of this of this award did not have a strong pre, pre-start, you know? Uh, he was not getting the playing time. He finally broke his way in, had a hack trick against Burnley, uh, people went crazy, and then he got hurt, missed some playing time. Then the restart happened, and uh, came back guns ablazing. And uh, Christian Pulisic, congratulations! You are the winner of the most valuable immune system, Oni. Please come on the podcast to claim your prize. We will send something to you. I can understand it. Also, if you don't want to give us your address, you can just give us a PO box. That'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Like, like we'll send it literally anywhere you want us to send it to <laughs> so the trash yeah that that's fair too that, that's that's true i'll i'll only spend like 20 hours whittling it and then we'll just throw it away <laughs> whittling. Um, the omnis are 100 made out of wood yeah that's fair um hot, guy, hot guys create wood okay uh well ladies and gentlemen it has been a delight nay a pleasure to give you the second annual Oni Awards. Um, you know, the season's about to kick up right backs up soon, so we don't even have time for a preview. Next episode, we're just going to be – we'll do like a preview next episode and kind of talk about results from the first round. I mean, Premier League kicks off in nine days, but we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Hope you enjoyed the Onis. And it's safe out there. You know, wear, wear a damn mask, you know, especially if you live in the States. If you live in, in a country that's handled the response better, uh, congratulations. Uh, I'm assuming you guys are probably still wearing masks. I'm not. I haven't left Austin, so I don't know. But just uh, stay safe and and you know be responsible. Do your thing. Bye. Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. 
She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel. And I'll fight until the end, shall wounds always bend, oh no. Spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever own. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always bend, oh no. Surrender your core, I'll give you bomb.